Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. When there's an athlete or a musician or an actor or somebody famous, a politician who is so iconic. I mean, there's, there are very few that exist in the world. And, I mean, we lost David Bowie earlier this year, and we lost Prince. And those two are, are as big as it gets for entertainers. And they pale in comparison, I think, to Muhammad Ali. And seeing all the great things that are written about him, the documentary When We Were Kings, I'll say it all the time, go, go see it. If you want to truly understand the greatness that is Muhammad Ali, another amazing article by Roger Ebert, who went to see Rocky II with Muhammad Ali. Like, imagine that, right? You just are going to Rocky II with Muhammad Ali and getting a chance to write about it. And the article is beautiful. I tweeted it. Some of the observations about the filmmaking about the characters, about how they box and how for film it looks great, but that's not actually how you box and, and things like that. But one of the observations that Ali makes in this article is that Apollo Creed's character is, uh, and, and the Rocky character is kind of a response to him. His exact quote is they had to invent Rocky because they knew no white man could ever beat me. <laughs> and the Apollo Creed character is formed around uh, Muhammad Ali, the trash-talking, down to the afro, right? And the whole story is kind of the idea that this, you know, grimy guy from Philadelphia could rise up and give Ali a run for his money, even though Ali is kind of laughing at the notion. He says it's great entertainment, it's a good story, but it's about me. And it's a great, great, great read. And, and I want to hear from people throughout the day. 803-0550-1888-550-2550 to jump on and give your thoughts about Muhammad Ali passing away, what you remember from him. And I find myself today thinking more than anything, we read all those great quotes, that there are so many athletes who are icons on the field or on the floor. LeBron James is one of them that you think of right away. But there are many out there today. And how few of them speak out in any way, whether it's politically or whether it's just simply trash talk, that we have funneled our athletes into a position from the time that they are raised, that they should be like Jonathan Taves. And the NHL Combine, you will hear it I bet 50 times at the NHL Combine, at the NHL Draft, as players get asked who you want to be like. Jonathan Taves. I want to be like Jonathan Taves. Think about Sidney Crosby and how little Sidney Crosby ever has to say. Think about Steph Curry and LeBron James and how there is literally no trash talk between these two in the greatest matchup of superstar basketball players that we have seen since Magic and Bird. 
And there's nothing in terms of trash talk. Why? Because they don't want to go viral. They don't want to be debated all day on ESPN. They don't want to be criticized. They don't want to be written about. They don't want to be tweeted at. They don't want to be a distraction. It's gone away. And it's taken a shade of sports out of it. That personality that even if you hated Muhammad Ali when you were growing up and couldn't stand him, the one thing that you knew was who he was. Who you were disliking. You knew exactly who you were disliking. For as much as he talked, I'm sure some of it was an act, but it's all part of it. It's all part of uh, the character that is Muhammad Ali that we just do not get a chance to see anymore from these athletes. If you do the slightest little shred, LeBron James was kind of musing away about what most valuable player means and a bunch of articles popped up just like that. And a bunch of people ripped him for saying, Oh, he's not giving Steph Curry enough credit. Like we we've created an atmosphere that if there were to be another Muhammad Ali that achieved on the field or in the ring or wherever, and was also politically active and trash talked like crazy that that type of person I think would be muted fairly quickly. Or, or that everyone around him or her would try to do that. I mean, if you think about just great accomplishments, Tiger Woods had nothing to say. Nothing. Serena Williams, not a lot to say. Roger Federer, even. And, and, and Cam Newton doesn't talk politically, but shows a little bit of enjoyment for the sport. And... A thousand think pieces pop up about Cam Newton smiling and kissing his arms after touchdowns or something. 8030550, Paul Hamilton with Oleo Levy in just a minute. Let's start with John in Rochester here on WGR. How's it going, John? I'm, I'm doing good, doing good. It's a huge, huge loss. I uh, was, you know, when he burst onto the scene, I was in junior high, and uh, he, he just couldn't create more controversy and color. It was unbelievable to see this guy come, in a way, come from nowhere and have such an impact after those Liston fights. And uh, people even, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy. We were emulating him uh, <laughs> with his trash talking and uh, I am the greatest. And it, it's unbelievable that uh, this guy had such an impact. And I'll tell you, the thing that I appreciate the most about him was he was a physical specimen as a heavyweight back then. Uh, he reminded me physically uh, like O.J. Simpson, who, when O.J. was, you know, at uh, 21, 22 years old, O.J. was a physical specimen, just created to play football. Well, Muhammad Ali was a physical specimen, created the box. And that guy was, he stung like a, a floated like a butterfly and swung like a bee. There's no doubt about it. Just, just a fantastic career and the ups and downs of the career. And it got to the point, Matt, that uh, after he beat Liston, he he went on that winning streak. And I'll tell you, I started pulling for the underdogs because it was like uh, these guys had no chance. He, he fought Floyd Patterson, uh, who was my favorites. Uh, Cleveland Big Cat Williams. I'd pull against Ali, but I turned the tide when he came back after that court case. And uh, fought Fraser, Foreman, you know, after that. I was a big Ali fan because the, what he had to overcome 
in the years that were wasted, uh, you know, in that interim period. Yeah, John, let me ask you a question. So when you were growing up, um, you and your friends all loved Ali. Were, like, the parents against Ali? I mean, how, like, how was it? Were, were there... Uh, in the schoolyards, were there kids who didn't like him? What, I mean, what was it like in terms of the polarization of him? Yeah, there was a lot of that, a lot of that. Um, uh, the parents uh, pretty much did not like him. He was a brash, young African-American, and, and uh, I grew up in the Buffalo area, and, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was it. And there were a lot of uh, young people also. It was, it was, I would say, 50-50, actually. Hmm. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate your call, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to Harvey in East Aurora here on WGR. Go ahead, Harvey. Hey, when I was in fifth grade, I was at a high school basketball game listening to a transistor radio when he beat that list. Hmm. And I will never forget how upset I was. I actually cried. I was so upset. I, was, I must have been a sissy. Uh, but I think as far as trash talking is concerned, there's never been, and I don't think there ever will be anyone who was cre- as creative as he was with his stuff, he was he was he was so smart uh, that he just, stuff just came to him and he just did it. And if you think about the Ollie Shuffle and the Rope Dope, uh, those were just a couple of amazing things he did. And in reference to the last caller, yeah, all the all the parents were against him, especially when he fought <laughs> Frazier, um, because he just absolutely got on television before that fight and just raked uh, Frazier over the coals. It was it was really bad. But then he went in there and he just took him down. So I remember the down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier mm-hmm. uh, from uh, 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 Cosell. And it was it was he entertained us for years and years and years. He gave us more than he ever got out of it. That's for certain. And he was a wonderful man, and it's certainly a, a sad thing to have his passing. And that's really all I got. Uh, thank you, Harvey. Very good call there. And you weren't a sissy for crying at sports. Howard cries at sports all the time. So it's uh, <laughs> no big deal. 803-0550 is the number, one 888 Now, what you're mentioning with Howard Cosell is another part of how interesting – Ali is as a character to me to look back upon because and compare to how we might view him today because of the media coverage and how we analyze things now just an example is not only the multi-screen thing I'm sitting in front of three computers right now by the way and a tv in the corner but when I watch when the the NHL game one and the game seven of thunder and warriors is on tv I sat there and watched both at the same time. I had one screen here, one screen there. And a lot of people's memories are like Harvey's of Muhammad Ali, where it was watching uh, the wide world of sports to, to see the replay of it or listening to it on the transistor radio. And there's something that is still really cool about consuming sports in that way that you know as the listener to the boxing match, you know what Muhammad Ali looks like, and you're painting this picture in your mind of him fighting Sonny Liston or or fighting Joe Frazier. And there's something about sports in your mind as your imagination fills in the blanks from what the announcer is calling it that can be just as 
cool and just as special. It's kind of like a lot of people will say that listening to baseball on the radio is just as good as watching it on TV or maybe even better as you sort of create it and build the tension that way. And a lot of Muhammad Ali's fights for people are remembered of going to the, the theater and watching it there with a bunch of other people or from listening to it on the radio, which is it's fascinating because there's nothing like that now. I mean, whoever's playing, I could find it in two seconds. I mean, if I want if I want to watch the Milwaukee Bucks take on the New Orleans Pelicans in January, I'm not sure why I would want to do that, but maybe there's a reason. I, I could do it easily. Just click, 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 and I got it, and I'm watching the entire game. And even though that is amazing because all of us growing up in this era, we have access to whatever athletes we want to see. And athletes who play, like Joe Thornton, plays on the West Coast. And you hear a lot of people say, well, that Joe Thornton doesn't get enough credit because he plays on the West Coast. Well, it's not really true because all of us have access to seeing Joe Thornton games almost whenever we want, if you have the NHL package or whatever else. Whereas, and and that's what made boxing sort of interesting, right, is that you could, whether it was the radio or TV or going to the theater, that with boxers, it's just one guy and you would have access to that. You know, you would have access to being able to see this this great figure boxer where maybe when we were, t- if you're talking about a baseball player, you might get to see him on a Saturday with the game a couple of times a year. If you made your way out to a game, if you live close to a baseball stadium, maybe you got lucky enough to see that player a couple times. But with a boxer, there was always access, there was always radio, there was always coverage of it, which I probably for a lot of people made it so everyone in your schoolyard knew Muhammad Ali, and you could argue about it. And how people are split on it is really fascinating because it, it makes you think about how we do get caught up in the minutiae, in the moment with certain players, and then when you look back on them, who, who today is debating Muhammad Ali's greatness? No one. No one is. Even when I, I was little with Michael Jordan, there were kids who didn't like Michael Jordan who thought he was, you know, a ball hog or something. And then even we look back at it and we say he's the he's the best. He's the best player. And with Ali, the other shade of it is the activism and the trash talk that a lot of parents probably thought, I don't I don't want little Billy not being humble. And I gotta say, it makes you think that the words like humble and class and stuff like that when we refer to athletes just frustrating i guess that every athlete is told that you're supposed to be humble and classy and don't uh, don't degrade your opponent or anything and then muhammad ali passes away and we go this was the greatest and look at all these things he said and look at this legacy he left and look at how entertaining he was hey but everybody be jonathan taves well <laughs> You, you can't have it both ways. And I know there are probably a lot of parents of little hockey players who are playing in Buffalo who say, be like Jonathan Taves, be humble, be a good teammate, be it. Well, I mean, if you're Muhammad Ali, that's part of it and how he was allowed to do this because he doesn't have any teammates that he's putting himself ahead of. I, I recognize that. But we tell our athletes from the very beginning, from the time that they are... 10 years old or less that you're supposed to do it the Jonathan Taves way. And I, 
I have nothing against Jonathan Taves to keep bringing him up. To me, he's just the ultimate say-nothing, no personality. I know nothing about Jonathan Taves whatsoever. And the reason that I love his game, but from an entertainment standpoint, I can never really care much about Jonathan Taves. Hey, you're, he's great. He's a Hall of Famer. He's an all-time captain, and I know nothing about him. And I never will. And he was there was never any part of the entertainment product as a whole that ever captured me about Jonathan Taves and, and, and about people who are just that humble, cliche way, which is what I want to ask Brad Bisbing about in, in a few minutes. But Paul Hamilton is at the NHL Combine, and he is standing by with Oleo Levy, a prospect from the London Knights that I would say there's a somewhat of a chance, a decent chance, that could be available at eight when the Sabres pick. So Paul Hamilton at the Combine with Oleo Levy. Ole, welcome to Buffalo, and how has your experience been so far? It's almost been a week. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Yeah, pretty busy week. We came here Tuesday evening, so... Wednesday was the first day, and we just had three, we just had three days to make all those interviews. So I, and I had 23, so it was it was pretty busy couple of days. What were the interviews like for you? Uh, I think mm, kind of easy and easier one because like now I know the language better. Because first I came here, I didn't speak that good English, so it was easier for me now. But like, of course, it's hard, and you're so tired in the evening, and you want you just want to go sleep after you have done everything because like. You have to concentrate all the time, and you want to show your best to all all, all the scouts and GMs. So, but it's it's once of the lifetime thing. Really? So when you came to London, you really didn't know the language very well? Uh, not that well. I, I just knew, knew some words, and like of course we studied in school, but I was never like the best guy in school sometimes. But like, yeah, I didn't speak that much, and it's it's hard to get the confidence to speak actually English. And like, but yeah, now I think I'm working pretty well. I was gonna say you're very good at. It. Did you take classes or did you just pick it up? No, I didn't. I didn't. I was just like hanging out with the guys and listening to Dale Hunter when he's speaking before games and yelling me. <laughs> Dale Hunter is quite an interesting coach, isn't he? Oh yeah, but like one probably the best coach that I ever had. Really? Yeah, like he'll he'll. I think he like everybody thinks he's so different what he actually is. And I was thinking too when I came. I was like I was so scared about the guy. Like one of the best guys ever and like so like experienced and like everything just he just he's he could go probably to coaching in NHL some um, but like he is want to stay in London and with the young guys and help us so uh I I really like that yeah why did you come to London what made you decide you wanted to play junior in Canada for a year yeah so I was I was playing junior A in Finland last year and like my pro team is playing KHL the Russian league and like I think that was not my way well, how, how I want to do that and like then uh, London say that they're interesting in me and they might trust me in craft and like of course when they trust me and um, you never say no to London Knights it's uh, such a great like uh, junior hockey organization and like I think it's one of the best organizations in the whole world actually and like how they do all those things and like especially in junior hockey the best place to go you guys won the Memorial Cup you won a championship what was the biggest thing with that team that made it so good uh, I think it was that like how good friends we are. Like we were so good friends with each other. Like there's like, it doesn't matter if you're like overage guy or if you're rookie, 99 born guy. They, they can still go together, just have, having dinner or as a group go to movies or whatever. And of course, like you have to be a good player for that. We have such good press, three really good lines, and then we have like fourth line who brought the energy every time. And like there's also good players who it's, like didn't 
could play higher because like there was like so many keepers. And also the these are very good. Young D's, good movement, fast skating team, so and like uh, also our D's were pretty like underrated for a long but like ten ever so they allowed least goals in the whole ocean record season, but like yeah, pretty much that. You weren't quite a point a game with London and in the world junior you had like nine assists uh, over a point a game. Would you be considered an offensive type defenseman or how would you consider yourself? Yeah, I think I'm offensive guy still because like uh, my best helps in hockey is like in my offensive game and like how I move the puck and like but, like I I still like played two way game and like I'm so team player that I want to be also first in the back. I don't want to like be like too offensive guy and like yeah, it's like uh, I want to play offensive game, but like also I think it's important that you can also play like defense because you're a defensive man and like. I want to play also like penalty kill power play, like all situations and then big minutes. That's that's how, what I do usually. It's it's interesting. Uh, you probably be gone by the time the Buffalo Sabres go at eight. But if you're not, I'm almost sure they would take you. Uh, what was your interview like with Tim Murray and his staff? Yeah, it was it was pretty different than anybody else because they were in their own like own own room and like own like conference room and like. There was more guys than the other team had because we're here now in Buffalo, and it was pretty exciting and special because like the draft is here in Buffalo, and it's it's probably a special team here now, and there's gonna be like fans also watching the watching the draft. But like, yeah, it's nothing bad to say about that. It was it was it was nice. Did they ask you any like weird questions, or was it pretty straightforward? It was pretty straightforward, especially like even like I had 23 teams, so you would think like there's a couple like down ones and then we. Actually, no. There's, I think there's might be some trades going on right now, so everybody wants to be ready, like the draft, and especially the draft is so even right now after top three. Uh, like, somebody might fall down, somebody might go higher, but he like might be in the rankings and like that. So, I think it's going to be actually a pretty interesting draft this year. I know he's a couple years older than you, but do you know Rasmus Ristolainen? I don't know like that because he's from Turku. I'm I'm from Helsinki, but like, of course, I've seen him when he's playing, and like, he's actually pretty impressive right now in the NHL. He needs a guy on his side there, a left left shooting defenseman. Uh, would you enjoy playing with him? Yeah, of course. It's always nice to play with Finnish guys, and like, but it's we are all here like young kids, and everybody's like hockey fans, so. It's just like great to see how like some actually like NHL teams are interesting in you. So it's just like so special at least for me. So I don't I don't care what team drafts me because like it's like so big thing for me that I can like show like what I got and like pat it for a spot in like the NHL team and I want to help the fran- franchise to, like get better. When you see Ristolainen, and he 21, he's already a number one guy in Buffalo. Oli Mata playing for the Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh. You know, to see your fellow countrymen like that do well, does that kind of give you a lot of confidence and hope as you start your career? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, because, like, usually everything's that Europeans are like, uh, they can't be that good in NHL. All, all Americans and Canadians, they are so much better than like that. And, like, now there are so many good young ladies from Sweden and a couple, couple, three good ones from Finland. So we can show that we got it also. And, like, even though I, I love my USA and Canadian friends, I think Europeans are better, and I want to show that when I go to the NHL. When you when you look at the NHL, uh, your career coming up, do you feel you're NHL ready now, or do you think you might need another year of junior? Yeah, like I think uh, everybody who's drafted first round, you should think that you're you want to play next year in the NHL, and like 
that's when I go back home I'm going to work out and like I want I want to have in my mindset that like yeah I'm playing NHL next year I'm going to training camp I, I want to show my best I want to take this spot in NHL like I think everybody else is like dumb to think and finally when you were growing up who did you admire when you were growing up I love Temu Selanne, even though I'm D, but he's four, but he's the big guy for like, every Finnish kid. Tempo Newman is a kid. I, you probably, I don't know if you'd be old enough to see a play or not, but he was a guy that played many years here in Buffalo, too. I know, but like, I remember when he retired in, like, I lived for national in 2006 Olympics, and, like, so, but, like, yeah, I was pretty young when he was playing, but, of course, I, I saw, like, a couple of games from him, but, like, of course, like I said, Temu was the big guy for everybody. I hope you had a good time in Buffalo, and we will see you in a couple of weeks back here in Buffalo. Yeah, we're going to see for sure. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah. Paul Hamilton with Oleo Levy, Finnish defenseman, who may be there at 8 when the Buffalo Sabres pick in the draft coming up later in the month. He is at the NHL Combine. We will check in with Paul again soon. Coming up next, Brad Bisbing from the Buffalo Bisons. Two things I want to talk to him about. One is the Bisons' really fun promotion that's coming up. Keep Brady suspended. I want to ask Brad about that. But also, Muhammad Ali passing away at the age of 74. And the atmosphere that we've created in sports with players not ever wanting to tip the scales or uh, rile anybody up or become viral or end up on ESPN. Brad is a uh, public relations expert, so I'm going to ask him about that as well. And then Lauren Brill coming up at 1.15. I've seen her just post an article about Muhammad Ali and a book she read inspiring her in her own career. And also, she's in Cleveland as a TV reporter there. So we're going to ask her about LeBron James and the NBA Finals. That's coming up at about 1.15. Sports Talk Saturday, Matthew Collar on WGR. We, his fellow Louisvillians, joined the billions whose lives he touched worldwide in mourning his passing, celebrating his legacy, and saying, thank you, Muhammad. You know, he still had that charisma. You, there's nothing like that Muhammad Ali magic, and that always existed all the way to the very end. So, um, you know, uh, Muhammad went out with dignity. As I said, uh, the prayers were heard and certainly appreciated. Muhammad Ali, gone at the age of 74, and uh, a day where I just can't help but wish that I had gotten to see Muhammad Ali during his greatest era, not only just how amazing he was in the ring, but the icon that was Muhammad Ali, how often he was in the media talking about political issues, his trash talk ability, which is uh, elite, all-time greatest trash talker. How about this? Here's another phenomenal Muhammad Ali quote. He met Wayne Gretzky, and he told Wayne Gretzky, I hear you're the great one. Just remember, I'm the greatest ever. That is amazing. That's amazing. And reading his quotes, Nate and I will do some more before the end of the show. Uh, 30 greatest quotes from Muhammad Ali put out by USA Today. So we've been going off that list. And the mix between things that he said that were moving, inspiring, and the trash talk and the creativity. had a caller earlier, and and you can chime in on this too at 803-0550, that... His press conferences were as exciting as his fights because you never knew what he was going to say. And Paul Hamilton talked about the heat of competition started well before the fight. 
with Muhammad Ali's ability to get inside the head of his opponents and his brilliance that went beyond his physical skill, but just uh, his talent at giving his opponents something that they would have never expected, which is uh, which it really is an amazing skill. So another part of Muhammad Ali that, at least from my perspective, having not seen him box or been around when he was at his greatest, is... How athletes are today with the media, and I want to, before we get to Keep Brady Suspended, which is an amazing promotion that's coming up uh, with the Bisons, I want to ask my friend Brad Bisbing here from the Bisons, we'll bring him in now here on WGR on the AT&T Hotline, about athletes and their brands and how they are in the media and things like that today. Brad, I'm sure uh, that you've been watching Twitter today with uh, Muhammad Ali's passing, and I don't, I don't know if you, I'm sure you're busy, you haven't heard much of the show, but I've been talking about how different it is today in the media atmosphere. Now, you're on the public relations side. I, I'm sure you want your athletes to um, have their personalities known, but also not get you fired because they, uh, they went viral, right, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. There, there's a lot of that, and uh, you know, I think uh, you know nowadays uh, athletes are obviously very protective of their brand and uh, of their of their name and of their image and you know, and the uh, you know among fans. And uh, we've seen what's happened to athletes when they make missteps, uh, whether it be you know what happened at the NFL draft uh, just a, just a little bit ago, a month ago. Or uh, you know other examples of, of of athletes putting stuff on Twitter, whether it be before their career or after the career, and uh, that was uh, kind of an amazing thing uh, uh, with uh, Muhammad Ali. And obviously, like you, um, I wasn't, I didn't get to see him box uh, or uh, uh, really until his career was over um, because of my age. But um, he kind of. Uh, he didn't worry about all that. He kind of just spoke his mind freely, and uh, he kind of drove his own uh, own uh, image. He didn't worry about uh, PR guys or, or managers <laughs> or agents or, or any of that. Uh, he said what was on his mind, and uh, that's probably, uh, whether it be about boxing or about uh, other more po- important cultural matters, um, that's probably why he was such a... Uh, galvanizing figure brad you're not you're similarly aged to me so you're not like 100 years old but even (laughs) but even during the time that you've worked for the bisons i think the landscape has changed quite a bit hasn't it in how uh, athletes have to protect that brand i mean you've i don't know how much you could tell me how much advising do you do how much conversation do you have with athletes when it comes to how much they should say to the media? I mean, do, do players ask you, uh, how much should I say? What should I say about this? Uh, how much do you have any conversations with players of, hey, maybe you should, you've got some controversy or something, or maybe you should do this or, 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 or do that. I mean, how much is that from your standpoint? You know, there, there is some from time to time. Um, the unique thing, though, AAA is, you know, we have guys that already have been in the big leagues, and they've some of them have been there for 10 years and plus, whether it be Casey Kochman this year or, or Randy Wolf last year. And, uh, you know, I think uh, those guys, they get a lot of those lessons, um, whether it be in, in, in camp or when they're in single or double A early on in their career. And um, But there's some time to time, you know, we'll discuss or, or whether, you know, when we're approaching um, a media scrum or whatever, go over kind of what we uh, what what you might want to say. I've, I've 
been lucky, knock on wood, in 13 years with the Bisons. We really haven't had too many uh, uh, controversial issues or anything like that. Um, but uh, I think, uh, you know, like I said, I think, and I think athletes will nationally, uh, naturally gravitate towards some of the veterans, and, and that's always nice to have those guys uh, in the clubhouse, like the Kochmans, like uh, Jesus Montero, or, um, you know, guys like uh, Drew Hutchinson who's been in the limelight in Toronto for the last couple of years, um, being someone that uh, some of the younger guys in the pitching staff can, uh, can ask advice for or gravitate to. Brad, is it, just, is it just because of my profession that I'm always looking for entertainment and things like that that I wish there were much more of Muhammad Ali and much less of Jonathan Taves or whatever cliche monster you want to talk about. I mean, when it, when even in baseball now, Bryce Harper has a little bit of the Muhammad Ali to him where he wants to make baseball fun again. He says, flip your bat and pump your fist if you're the pitcher. But then, you know, you have Mike Trout who never wants to say anything. I know maybe in your job you want to make sure that guys aren't hurting themselves with some of the things they say, but... Uh, maybe it would even make your job a little more entertaining, Brad. You could use that in your life. You know, and and I, I I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you uh, definitely from a from a, the fan standpoint. You know, um, you like those athletes that uh, uh, maybe will will we'll say the non cliche thing, or you just won't get the the same uh, three or four quotes. Uh, you know, one hundred and ten percent effort and and whatnot. Um, I think. In the sports landscape that, that, that we're in now, um, there is an overly cautious approach to everything. Um, and I think that – I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because, uh, um, you know, I think for the most part athletes just want to focus on um, their performance on the field and, and doing a good job on the field and, and uh, letting, you know, whether they hit home runs or strike out batters do the talking. Um, but you know, I can definitely see it from a fan standpoint that uh, you know they like the athlete that uh, will maybe speak their mind a little freely. They'll like the ones that are on their team, and then they'll not like the ones uh, who speak their mind that play for the rival team. Yeah, and I, and Brad, I I think we're all responsible uh, media, maybe even more so than teams trying to protect players because of the way that we react to some things. I mean, even with Rex Ryan, there will be he'll put on a Clemson helmet and just make a joke and then it will be on, you know, ESPN and he'll be, "Oh, look, Rex Ryan's not taking it seriously." And I, I could see how a lot of athletes and personalities Rex himself doesn't care. He's like Ali where like you said, he's just going to say what he's going to say and the reaction is what it is, but uh mo- I think most people would have the inclination to not want to deal with that type of reaction. So speaking of reaction, Brad, because the reason I brought you on here is that you've gotten some, quite a bit actually, from Yahoo Sports to Pro Football Talk. You, you've, you've, made the, uh, you've made it viral in a good way for this promotion that's coming up uh, next week, Keep Brady Suspended. And uh, I'll give some of the details on things going on for Keep Brady Suspended Night on June 11th, but... Tell me how you came up with the idea for Keep Tom Brady Suspended Night. Sure. You know, uh, on Tuesday night we had a home game against Columbus, and uh, I was just doing the natural uh, preparing for, you know, post-game interviews, and the game was winding down when Pawtucket 
sent out that they're having a free Brady night uh, on the 10th of June, so it'll be this upcoming Friday. Um, they're having that promotion where anyone named Tom or Brady gets in for free. <laughs> and our general manager, Mike Buchkowski, saw that and emailed uh, a bunch of people in the staff that, you know, we got to counter this. Let's get some ideas. And obviously we're all uh, passionate sports fans, and uh, we're all uh, from Western New York, so we're obviously passionate Bills fans. Uh, the ideas uh, started to flow uh, nice and quickly. Everyone was coming up with uh, some great ideas, and uh, it really helped. Uh, the next day was our school kids' day, um, where we, you know, we were up at the ballpark. We had a 10:30 start, and we, everybody was there nice and early. And uh, we said, "All right, well, if we're going to do this, let's let's respond right away." And uh, we put the best ideas that we thought. Uh, down in a press release, and uh, we sent it out as quickly as we can. And, and lo and behold, that day, Wednesday, was the 500th day of Deflategate. So oh. <laughs> there was a nice little uh, synergy there and uh, timing uh, there. And uh, uh, so we said, let's do it, and let's do it the day after they do their event. Uh, we, we'd first looked, hey, let's do this when we play Pawtucket, but they don't come back to Buffalo until, like, August. So two months, training camp would already been started. It's kind of... Uh, past the point of uh, no routine there, so let's just we said let's just do it the day after they do it, and uh, let's have a keep Brady suspended night. Buy one get one free tickets to anyone that brings a properly inflated football to be donated to area youth football programs. A shirt that you sent me—it's kind of like a jersey style with the number twelve point five, which was the uh, minimum required inflation for NFL footballs. The PSI—we all found out way too much about PSI. Also, accepting. Yeah undestroyed cell phones uh, if you recall Brady's friend destroyed the cell phones and those will be donated to cell phones for soldiers and I think that's part of this that's cool Brad what you guys are doing is it's it's not just to make fun of Tom Brady but you can also do some good here too yeah the, the t-shirts that are available now at bisons.com the keep Brady suspended tees uh, five dollars of every t-shirt sold will go uh, to the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame their amateur uh, sports development fund so a great cause there and then uh you know, the funny thing about the cell phones for soldiers, um, I had heard of that charity, um, and uh, we said, oh, that, that's a pretty good tie-in, let's do it. And then we announced it, and that night I actually got a call from the founder of Cell Phones for Soldiers, who it was actually founded in Boston. <laughs> and uh, oh, that's wow. where they're headquartered, and, and he said, I got to tell you, I don't know if I agree, but uh, it's a tremendous promotion. Thank you so much for including us. Uh, let us know anything uh, we can do. Um, so they're going to uh, they'll have a presence at the ballpark next Saturday with uh, not only some uh, the drop-off boxes uh, to get the cell phones, but for some information as well as, uh, as, as about their cause and, uh, and, uh, and how they help soldiers and their families. Well, it's a great idea. It is June 11th. That is, you said next Saturday, right? Is June 11th? That next Saturday, count. yeah, right. we have a 605 doubleheader against Charlotte. It's a single admission doubleheader, so already one ticket gets to both games. We'll play two seven-inning games. Uh, we have fireworks after the game, and uh, trust me, we have uh, we still got a week to go. So uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. And uh, the banter with the Paw Sox on Twitter has been great so far. And uh, we got some more in store that uh, we plan on announcing uh, as we get closer to the date as well. All right, excellent. Brad, I appreciate your perspective on Muhammad Ali and athletes in the media, as well as I wish you good luck with uh, avoiding those Red Sox fans on Twitter for at least uh, a week here as you lead up to keep Brady suspended tonight. <laughs> oh, there's no avoiding them. That's, uh, but that's been part of the fun, you know, to see, uh, obviously, the Bills Mafia come out on Twitter and, and in support and then, uh, 
you know the uh, all the, the the tweets that we've gotten from uh, from the Patriots fans that uh, are uh, lots appreciative of our uh, uh, getting some national attention to uh, keep Brady suspended. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, Brad. Good luck, buddy. Thanks, thanks Matt. June 11th, keep Brady suspended night. That's going to be a lot of fun. That was Brad Bisbing, public relations for the Buffalo Bisons. Appreciate his thoughts there. We'll take a quick break. A thought on the Stanley Cup final. Do the Sharks have a chance to come back? Then more talk on Muhammad Ali. We'll check in with Paul Hamilton as well. Coming up at 1 o'clock, find out what's been going down at uh, the Combine. And we'll also get all of Paul's fake trades, his trade rumors. No, I'm just kidding. Paul hates fake trades. But we'll talk to him as well. A little Sabres off-season talk, then Lauren Brill at 1.15. She is a reporter in Cleveland. We will talk to her about LeBron James versus Steph Curry in the NBA Finals. Lots still coming up. Matthew Collar, Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. He didn't just articulate them for, articulate them for himself. He really didn't just articulate issues for black America. He had articulated issues for humanity uh, in a, uh, a very um, uh, definitive sense. Combat sports in general, I think that Muhammad Ali um, changed the face of combat sports forever. Uh, He showed, uh, you know, a lot of guys didn't have a lot of personality back in the day. He was charismatic. He was incredible. Personality, the thing that we've been talking about a lot today with Muhammad Ali passing away. Matthew Collar on Sports Talk Saturday. Paul Hamilton coming up in just a couple of minutes. Great job by Nate Geary with all the sound of people talking about Muhammad Ali and famous quotes from him. Before we leave today at 2 o'clock, we will get you some more famous Muhammad Ali quotes. As USA Today has put together a really good list of those. You can see more, by the way, of the Muhammad Ali quotes at WGR550.com. And a reminder that we will have the NBA Finals and the NHL Stanley Cup Finals Final here on WGR. So we'll have all the coverage of all the games here on the station. And tonight it is San Jose in Pittsburgh. San Jose goes back home. Just a quick thought before we get back to Paul Hamilton at the Combine. And I want I got a question about how athletes have changed in trash talking from the Ali era to now. I want to ask Paul because he's covered professional sports for such a long time. And then at 115, Lauren Brill comes up to discuss Muhammad Ali and LeBron James. She is a reporter from Cleveland. San Jose is really struggling with the Pittsburgh Penguins speed. Really struggling with Pittsburgh's third line especially. It's got me thinking quite a bit about how the Sabres want to build the rest of their team because they've got speed in Jack Eichel, Tyler Ennis, if he's healthy, he is extremely quick. I would say Sam Reiner is not a fast skater, but he plays it. He can play at a high pace because he is so good at, at passing and making decisions fast that he plays quickly in that way, not just speed skating. But Mike Sullivan has trained his team from the time he took over earlier in the year when Mike Johnson was fired to play the fastest hockey in the NHL. And they are just running the San Jose Sharks out of the building, especially in the neutral zone, though. Because San Jose cannot seem to get through the neutral zone to start creating offensively. They had 11 shots on goal through the first two periods. And you notice that even when it's a clean, unpressured breakout for San Jose, that Pittsburgh will bring 
players in kind of into their zone as their defensemen have the puck and force them to make difficult plays, difficult passes, and they close so quickly when it's a defenseman passing the puck out of the zone to one of the forwards in the neutral zone that there have been so many broken up passes and turnovers in the neutral zone. That's where Pittsburgh is creating a lot of their offense. And I don't know how San Jose is going to solve that. Going back home, they get their matchups. And that will be the thing to watch tonight for the game is who will Pete DeBoer match up against that HBK line of Carl Hagelin, Nick Bonino, and Phil Kessel. And it also made me think about the Sabres and Steven Stamkos. Can he play center? I don't know. Well, well, there's no place to play center for the Sabres. Well, you have a team that's in the Stanley Cup final with three superstars on three different lines. How about Eichel, Stamkos, O'Reilly on the first three lines playing the center positions? Just makes you think. Anyway, 803-0550, the number 1-888-550-2550 to jump on a memory, a thought about athletes and how they've changed in their approach to the media and their brand and self-promotion and how trash talk has disappeared in sports since the days of Muhammad Ali. We lose him at age 74 today. Had some great calls during the show. Thoughts of, of growing up and how polarizing of a figure he was. Also, my dad was on the show. Uh, too, if you want to go back in the on-demand section and uh, have a listen to that, because I know that when athletes or musicians or actors, whatever, from the past, when they pass away, uh, I, I go to my dad to tell me about what it was like when Muhammad Ali was fighting or when David Bowie was at his height. And boy, we have had a tough, tough year. Bowie and Prince and now Muhammad Ali. 803-0550 to jump on. Paul Hamilton comes up next from the NHL Combine, then Lauren Brill at 115 here on WGR. A champion in the ring, a hero outside the ring, a social transformer, uh, an anti-war prophet. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.